What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship Podcast. It's episode 100, and today I'm finally getting to the CEO Suggestion Box episode that I've been promising for a while. Um, some scheduling issues and uh, some, I thought I had a bank of questions from a while back when I did a Discord Q&A. I was wrong, so we had to reschedule while I solicited the questions. So, uh, if you answered recently, like in the last couple weeks, um, to me soliciting on social media or Reddit or wherever, Discord, um, with questions for the post tour CEO, this is the episode for you. Um, went through all the questions that were submitted, as well as I just had some follow on questions um, based on the the questions and then his subsequent answers. Um, so check it out. I'm. I'm I'm excited about this. I want to continue it as a series. So if you enjoy the episode, make sure you let me know. Uh, hit us up at all the all the contact information's in the show notes and at the end as always. So um, if you if you like it and and it's something you want me to do again and or have questions, uh, make sure you get them to us. In lieu of ever having a sponsor, I've basically created my own. If you want to support us, go to dgutsapparel.com. Don't give up the ship apparel. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at DGuts Apparel. Uh, it's Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. I went out of my way to create some really awesome stuff that I think you'll really enjoy. And it's some stuff that I think you'll actually wear. Uh, I hate all the stuff in the Navy Exchange section. I hate a lot of the stuff I see on social media where some somebody's side hustle is creating like nauseating gear that no one actually wants except for like crusty old retirees, which I'm about to be. So I don't know if I should uh, talk smack, but anyway, uh, go check it out. Dgutsapparel.com. If you want to support us, that's the best way to do it. And I would really appreciate it. Uh, and with that, I hope you enjoy the episode. Check it out. Um, they don't have to be palatable so much as they have to be honest. That's where I'm going, what I'm going for. And it's like, I know you're the type of dude that's going to answer them the way what I what I would evaluate to be a strong CEO would would do so uh, they can like it or not like it because I think a lot of the a lot of the teachable parts of it will be um, from the honesty of it it's like they don't they don't really know what they don't know and it's like the perspective piece so it's like I think that's why people were uh, so fired up about sending in questions is because they're curious because most CEOs it does even when you ask the question at all hands call you don't really think you're getting an honest answer most of the time and my at least in my opinion because i've been in behind the closed doors too with with my skipper and it's not always like you know they're trying to be diplomatic and trying to navigate crew morale and what they can and can't say and all that kind of stuff but yeah i think it'll be cool no, exactly it'll be it'll be it'll yeah. be interesting so yeah i think it'll be good all right uh let's just jump right in so uh, and hopefully it won't take 100 years to get through all these. If not, we can just do a rev too. But uh, first question is, how does a CO balance morale and mission? And then he just kind of elaborates and says, when the schedule is packed with exercises, meetings, zone inspections, field days, etc. cetera, uh, what can a CO do to help the crew de-stress and slow down the op tempo? That's tough because, you know, I'm one of those believers that a lot of times the crew morale is kind of based on doing the mission. I think right. I, I tend to I tend to believe that people people get frustrated like when you're out at sea and you're like, why are yeah. we out here? Like what are we doing? Right. Um and so right. a lot of that is is about communicating why we're doing what we're doing, why it's important. Um but it, there is. I mean it just it just it's a relentless pace uh as I often find myself saying lately, uh you know, maintenance and everything being what it is. 
it's it's very much a those who can go to sea shall go to sea. And so you yeah. find yourself being like, <laughs> hey, well, we're we're the only ship that can get it done. So we have to go. Um, and so that's right. when it becomes it, it comes down to like the command team going, OK, look, we got to find some way for the the team to, to blow off some steam or at least you try to make everything that you have to do fun while you're doing it. Um, I was I was notorious yeah. as a J as a J.O. You know, I, I remember, you know, the command was not doing real well. Um, and I'm, and I remember one of the, one of like the quartermasters looking at me and going like, Hey, Mr. Why, how are you still like smiling and having a good time? And I'm like, look, man, there's nothing we can do about it. So we might as well have fun doing it. Laugh through the pain. (laughs) Exactly. And and you hate to say that and kind of that, you know, that Mick pond, Hey, it could be worse. Um, but it's, it's very much a, you, you have, you try to find the fun in working together towards a common goal of getting better at what we do. And then when you, when you can find the time to take off, you got to take that time off, you know, let, let, let the team have some time and let the team have it as their time. There's nothing worse than a halfway night that's dictated by the CO. Like, Hey man, it's not for you. You know, let, let the, let the crew come up with some stuff and (laughs) let them have some fun, go hide in your stateroom and try to stay out of the way, you know? Right. Right. Um, be a part of it and have so i'm gonna skip to yeah yeah i'm gonna skip because they're they're related um there was one about co can oh here we go can o5 uh co's actually say no or is that a career killer and i've seen this question phrased a lot as like um like i had a co that everybody thought said yes to sea time all the time and kept volunteering us to do everything and it just like put us in the most uncomfortable spots all the time and it, I think part of it was be, well, like what you said, where it's like we were the boat that we were like the one killing it. So everybody wanted to give us all the things to do. Like if some admiral was going to ride a boat, it was our boat and stuff like that. So um, I think he's what he's asking is f- for the sake of all those things like morale and everything else and and the crew not getting super burnt out. Um, are there scenarios where or I mean, I guess it could be like if it was something that you deemed to be unnecessary, unsafe like a detrimental demission accomplishment, whatever. Uh, can you dig your heels in and say no? I think you can. Um, like all things, you got to be judicious about it. You really got to think about, okay, why am I saying no? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, two aspects of it. One, I'll tell you when I was in command, I said no once. Um, it was a situation where we were doing our deployment loadout for uh, weapons and Mm-hmm. with a hurricane coming. So like we're in sortie yeah. condition every day. And so every day it was, okay, yeah. we're going to do a reactor startup brief, go back aft, don't do anything until I tell you. Then I'd get the phone call that says we're not sorting today. And then it was, okay, start slamming weapons into the ship and get as many as we can today. <laughs> and yeah. that went on for five days straight. And so then, you know, the squadron calls and they're like, hey, how about instead of, you know, on Friday coming back to, you know, Norfolk and then getting the weekend off and then going to sea, let's just send you straight to sea. And how was and I and I pushed back. I said, and I was like, no. Yeah. And and then, you know, and it's the classic, hey, you know, it'll get the the crew in the groove. I'm like, those are all true statements. But yeah. 
I've been jerking my crew around every day with, we may have to get underway and leave mm-hmm. your family behind in a hurricane. And now, because I, I was like, because when we get underway, we're not coming back for six weeks. So they yeah. have not had this week to prepare their families, their stuff to go to sea for six weeks. So I pushed back, right. and, you know, and, 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 you know, and to the squadron's credit, they're like, hey, you get 51% of the vote. And so they said, you know what? Fine. Absolutely, Captain. Let's do that. And so that's just one where, you know, yeah. I decided, look, I've had, I, I'm going to stand up for my crew. They need to have that. Um, yeah. You know, but to your point, I mean, when I gave out the, uh, the battle E to one of my boats this year, it's a boat that had been getting Ooh. screwed around quite a bit on the schedule. And it was really, it was because yeah. they were so good. And when you look at it, it's, uh, and that's what I told them. I'm like, look, I know that your schedule has been out of control and we keep changing it on you. But I want you to understand that the reason higher leadership is doing that to you is not to screw you. It's because you're the ones we trust. You are the ones that we know we can throw something at and you'll, you'll be able to handle it. Right. How does that get balanced? Because like, at, at your level now, because you're a Commodore now, it's like, how does that get balanced as far as like, because those those boats would would sit there and think like, like, <laughs> there's a saying that I'm sure you've heard that I, I won't say in its entirety. But, you know, like uh, about like screw ups, get hookups where they get the good deal for being bad at their job and get more time at home or less of less turmoil in their schedule. And the one that's doing what they're supposed to be doing correctly is the one that gets the heavier burden like how do you how do you balance that at your level because i know like at your level like you have a mission that needs to get done and like there's certain things you're going to put on the plate of the one that you know can get it done or has the highest likelihood of success or whatever so like how do you balance that without like not overloading somebody but with the understanding that hey i got to get this thing done and they can they're the ones that can do it it it, it does it, it comes down to kind of you know you talk with the co's um and, and the CEOs do, you know, at least here in the submarine force, are very com- communicative on, hey, how's my crew doing? We're getting tired. We need some time. Yeah. Um, and, and you try to give them the hookup. You know, it's, hey, I've been sending right. you to sea and I make you to go to this exercise. Well, guess what? Nova Scotia is right by that exercise. So we're going to get you a port call. You know, the, uh, okay. the, 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 yeah. the screw ups that are getting the hookup. Yeah, they get to hang out in Norfolk and Chesapeake. You're getting to go to a foreign port. Because I, and, and so right. it's one of those things where it's it's this kind of rough trade off because I get it. We would all much rather spend time with our family, yeah. but right. you try to give them the port call. You try to give them the good deals and you try to take care of them when you can. I did the same thing when I was in command where I was very much a, if you don't need to be here, don't be here. Get your work done and go home mm-hmm. and get my, and I put a lot of things in place so that the emphasis was on get the guys in get their work done and get them out of here because yeah. that way th- inevitably it's the Navy, right? At some point I am going to have yeah. to withdraw from that bank of goodwill. Right. Um, but, but right. if the crew knows that at every opportunity you're trying to take care of them, when you do kind of get that bag job, they know that you wouldn't do this to them unless you had to. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's I had a CEO that did that on my first chief's tour and uh, it was it was driven a lot by the cop as well. But like 
it was it, it, that's exactly what it was because I was a, I was on a projects boat and so it's like there's a lot of demand put on you and a lot of schedule flux and a lot of just craziness all the time and it's like that's how they structured everything if we were in port and you didn't have anything to do like get out of here and it's like if you do have something to do then get after it and get it done and then get out of here because we know we're about to be gone forever and uh and there's going to be a lot of times where they're asking a lot of us so yeah no i i like that and i i'm probably you know not telling you anything you don't know but i think that that outlook at your level is kind of rare i don't know if you've experienced it's different because obviously you have a, a broader field of vision than i do i don't know i mean everybody is just trying to do the best they can i mean at the at the end of the day you yeah know, you're a co and you're trying to you know kind of it's it's getting into a later question about the difficulty of being the co but uh you're, you're just trying to balance a lot of things and so you have to decide kind of early on where right. you're at. I think most COs um, at the end of the day would want to, they want to take care of their crew and they want, they want their team to be, to, to feel appreciated and to perform well. Right. I mean, I would agree like largely. I, I think most, even when it doesn't feel yeah. like it, I feel like I, that's something I talk about with chiefs all the time is that I think they're, even when you think that they're the devil, it's like 99% of the time, it's a person that genuinely cares about you and wants what's best for you, but maybe doesn't have the tools to communicate that very well or accomplish it in a way that functions within the guardrails of the Navy and the mission or whatever. But Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I absolutely um, agree. So the next question. Of, oh, go yeah. ahead. No, I was just, just going to say, I, I no, go ahead. largely Sorry. agree. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. It's just that a lot of times we are, uh, we're just bad communicators. Most of the problems that I've ever experienced yeah. are just people not taking the time to see something from somebody else's perspective. And, um, you know, it's the, uh, what, what do I, uh, what do I, what's it, it's called Hanlon's razor. Like everyone's heard of Occam's razor, which is, you know, the, the most yeah. the easiest solution is probably the most correct, the most correct one. Uh, I'm a big fan of Hanlon's yeah. razor, which is, Never attribute to malice that which we can be that which can be explained by stupidity. <laughs> That's you outstanding. Know, like, I like that a lot. You know, it's like it's like right. Yeah, it's like people aren't out here actively trying to screw you. Most of the time, people aren't even thinking about you. They're just trying to do the best they can, man. Right. You know, it's all right. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'm going to use that. Um, so <laughs> the next question, it's got to do with like training and drills. So it says, if you could choose how to train, uh, like how would you imagine damage control or force protection drills looking? And it, it just mentioned some details like frequency, no notice drills, uh, drills during off hours. I don't know how that would be accomplished, but, uh, or is the current method and this is a clearly a surface sailor. Cause they're talking about Decket uh, for like their damage control training team stuff and smoke machines, drills ending for meal hours, drills in the plan of the day. Um, and then it's all building to the question is, do you feel that the fleet is prepared for actual kinetic warfare and will sailors fight as well as the trainers and other certifying entities say they do? Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting question because obviously from a surface guy um, or gal right. um, with Decket and ATG, so you know, like right off the bat, I I may a culpa that I don't fully understand how that surface uh, training mantra right. goes, 
um, having been, you know, on the ORS board, so doing exams on aircraft carriers, um, I do understand how like there's a whole lot of, hey, we're training ourselves, but we do have a lot of external entities that come on board to put us through training mm. and then evaluate us. Um, so I, I find that interesting. I, I'm always a believer in, I mean, hey, you know, putting it in the plan of the day. Okay, sure. There's nothing wrong with that right. because that gives people a chance to prepare. Um, there, there, there's something to be said for the, the no notice stuff. Cause then yeah. you can see, you see what people do when they weren't expecting it. Yep. But if you do that all the time, mm -hmm. then all you're doing is really testing your ability to, to handle the ocean. Mm -hmm. And the way you can handle an ocean is by being able to fall back on solid fundamentals that you've drilled in with the, uh, the stuff that's planned. Right. So I think it's kind of a fine blend of, Hey, yeah, we're going to, we do drills on Thursdays type of a thing and everybody knows it's coming mm -hmm. and everybody's awake and, you know, the JOs are in the, in the wardroom with the long cord JA, like ready to go, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, and that's all yeah. fine because people are still going to find Jesus in the bilge and find a way to screw it up <laughs> and we'll get through it and we'll learn some yeah. things. And I, and I think those kind of scripted things where everybody knows it's coming, you know, it's like ORS. Everybody knows when the drill period mm -hmm. is, and yet we still manage to find new, new things to do. Um, but it's kind of like every fire, you know, you and I have ever had on a submarine where we've done the drill and the real fire never goes like the drill. No. <laughs> and uh, and what usually ends up happening is somehow the entire chief's quarters magically shorts. appears in the space <laughs> yep. in boxer shorts and each one of them with a CO2 in yep. each hand. And you're like, I didn't think we had that many CO2s yeah. on board. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like <clears throat> most fire, most actual fires underway get called out as emergency report, emergency report, fire, the fire is out. Yeah. Because Everyone's going to fight that thing before, but that's because we've trained the right way. Right. We know how bad it can get if it goes wrong. And so when the real one happens, I don't understand why, but you can feel it in the air. Yep. You know, it yeah. could be something in the engine room and you're up forward and you can feel it. You're like, this is real. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and everybody just snaps back into those fundamental mm -hmm. things that we have drilled in. And so if you've got those solid fundamentals through those routine and it's on the plan of the day and it's annoying, but it's not about testing the surprise. It's about testing the knowledge. Right. Then occasionally I think you maybe run, maybe run a random one, but it's also why we run the code reds, you know, right. on the, in the submarine force where it's, it's not a full blown drill, but it's, Hey, cause that's the people who truly matter are those initial responders. Right. Um, is can you get there? Can you get something on it? And then can we get the team going? You can do that. I think so. I think how the submarine force does it is pretty good where we've got kind of the scripted drill periods, but most boats are having that kind of constant route the hose, mm -hmm. get the emergency responders there. If you're doing that stuff, you're probably training it the right way. Right. ATFP is a whole different animal, uh, especially in the submarine force, because right. it's just weird, right? Yeah. It's a uh, Every time you have a rappel borders drill, God bless the engine room. They pull up all the deck plates and grab every hatchet they can find. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, in general, I think the uh, the best way to train 
for drills and for ATFP and all those things is that there have to be consequences, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's those things that the, the forward drill coordinator, the EDMC or the, uh, you know, the EDTA, the RD, the, uh, RDTA and the RDMC on the carrier and type stuff, like whoever's in charge of the drill has to have the authority to go, you, you just screwed up. You're dead. Yeah. Bam. Put yeah. him down. Right. <laughs> and then make everybody deal with that. Right. You yeah. know, yeah, but the, the thing you have to do is you have to deal with it mm-hmm. because what happens in a lot of drills is they go, oh, you're dead. And they just go, well, he's dead and they, or he's injured and they just let him lay there. Yeah. It's like, nah, man, go do something about that. Yeah. Yeah. So there have to be consequences for, for your miss, for your missteps. Cause most people only learn through a significant emotional experience. So sometimes you have to provide those. Yeah. No, I definitely, I had a CO. I was, my last boat was a BN and I'd be standing dive and it was my first boat standing dive and I was still pretty new. And he would walk into the control room randomly and just say, you know, like give the officer the deck an order to go to dive one SQ. And I remember the first time he did it, I like barely knew how to like I knew what it was, but I had no idea how to get there. <laughs> and then, so it was a dumpster fire. And then he just eventually told me to stop. And then but over time, it was like I, so I went and studied, talked to the battle stations guy, like got in the books, whatever. And then the next time it was slightly less bad. And then I started to get the hang of it. Um and so like I, it was interesting because it wasn't it wasn't ideal circumstances like when you're you know drills are coming i'm not going to be pumping sands and doing all this other stuff that's going to affect my trim when i know i'm okay now i got to get to dive one sq or i'm neutrally buoyant at a slow speed it's really hard to do and it's like he would come in and i'm like in the middle of pumping sands i don't even have the comp yet i have no idea where the water is i'm like oh my god this is going to be a, a mess but we would figure it out. And it's like, it's cool to do it in that type of a circumstance. Cause if it ever happened for real, like that's, it wouldn't happen when it's convenient. Um, so like, yeah, I, th- those types of opportunities I think are really important too. Um, and then, so the second part of his question, they, they absolutely are. Yeah. It's a, uh... go ahead. Sorry. We have a little delay. No, I was gonna I say, cause I, uh, cause I, yeah, we do. Um, no, I had the same thing. I wanted like those that last group of officers that actually qualified dive as part yeah. of my qual card. And and uh it was the same thing. Like I qualified dive, the captain put me in the book and he's like, Hey, I think the cobs you know ready for out there on dive, ready he probably needs a head blade, head yeah. break. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey Cobb, I'm here to relieve you. And he's like, Sweet, I need to go do laundry. And so I sit in the chair and uh, God bless my chief of the watch. Yeah. Because <laughs> I sit in the chair. I'm like, all right, boys, we're not touching a thing. Yeah. And the captain walks out and he goes, officer deck, I'll stop. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, and I'm, I'm like, oh, hell. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the gauges like a bad, you know, <laughs> major league baseball umpire, just kind of like staring at stuff uh. and looking around. And, uh, and I look at the, I look at the chief of the watch. I'm like, Hey, uh, in just four, put two aft and you know, the best, uh, uh, correct back you've ever heard. He's like, in just three, put two aft. I, you know, and yeah. I'm like, God bless you, brother. Yeah. You, know, you, you keep me safe. <laughs> Thank you. But, but, but the, the, those things are, that's the way those, the, those are absolutely the perfect things, right? You don't have to have like a full blown drill, right? But doing little things here and there where you just like kind of walk out and throw insert some chaos into the system um, just to not only to test the guys and the gals to say, mm-hmm. hey, can you handle it? But also when they can, they go, oh, shit, I yeah. can handle it. Yeah. 
and it's, it's and there's value in that too yeah it's very validating for sure yeah um so the second part of his question was based on everything we just talked about is do you think the fleet and i mean that would obviously encompass everyone not just submarines but is the fleet prepared for actual kinetic warfare uh and will sailors fight as much as all those validating officials say that they say that we will right by saying that we're ready it's a that's a tough question um you know my personal opinion is i don't know yeah right i think that we are not as ready as we think right but i also think we'll be extraordinarily surprised by what our sailors will do um i i have i i've said often you know amongst friends and stuff that on one hand i think that we we will not you know we're going to we're going to incur some casualties for sure right but i also think we're going to be extraordinarily surprised at the ingenuity and the bravery of our sailors yeah, yeah. um i th- i so in cuz i think uh you know i've often said that big blue water navy has been kind of left out of the self-reflection and improvement that the army and the marine corps and the brown water and land-based navy have had to go through over the last 20 years. Yeah. You know, you think about how everyone who was in, in, in involved in land-based warfare had a certain mindset. And then we got into Iraq and Afghanistan and it was completely different and they were forced to self-examine and grow and change and shift and learn. Right. Big Blue Water Navy really hasn't had to do that. Yeah. Even the people that were in CENTCOM, the threat wasn't really, you know, we're not talking battleship on battleship, World War II type stuff. Right. So we weren't, we haven't been forced to learn at that pace like the rest of the Department of Defense has. Yeah. That said, uh, you know, I'm an, I'm an, etern- an eternal optimist, re- you know, regardless of what some of my friends might say. Um, I really believe that if you train people and you believe in them and they know that you believe in them, they will deliver some of the most extraordinary things uh, when put under pressure. And so while I think that we will find that we are not as prepared as we thought, um, we're also probably not as bad off as we think we are either. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, um, when I did, the, I did an episode with the CMC of the coal when it was bombed. Um, and he, one, one of the things I took away from that was like the, un, like under the extraordinary pressure post attack, right. Where they had to deal with all the death and, and like the casualty of the ship having a giant hole in it and we got to keep it floating and we got to put fires out and we got to uh, triage people and all those things. He, he, one of the things that stuck with me when he got, through that piece of it where they got to some like something resembling stasis and they were waiting on like off hole assistance was like, he was talking about there's all this stuff that you don't think about needing in a, in an event like that. All you, all you think about really is like damage control and medical care and stuff like that. But he was saying like people needed to eat, like people needed showers, people needed a head and like the mess decks got blown up during the attack. So he was just talking about the ingenuity of sailors and how they like, figured out a way to rig up a shower in a certain space and like make it. So there was some privacy and then came up with a system for usage and like came, like came 
uh, somebody figured out how to make food somehow and like brought up these pans of like chili mac or something. And he was just he's just talking about how good it was. And it's like, man, I've never had a better plate of food in my life. And so it was interesting. And he he would talk about um, there was a couple other things where he, it was like they were like using pieces of equipment that weren't even for that and like figuring out a way to fabric cobble it into what they needed uh, to take care of the people that were there while they waited on you know, like the Marines and the transport ship and all that to show up. And, um, yeah, that's, and then even like the response. Yeah, no, and and that's the, yeah. No, keep, keep going. Oh yeah. I was just going to say like the, a lot of the stuff I did a podcast on that too, where it was like, like a lot of chiefs that I've talked to, like to kind of say, um, like, Oh, these, these millennials or whatever, like generation, (laughs) whatever you want to label it. Um, they're not as good as like the last batch and they, they have no work ethic and they won't like, if we were ever in a war, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, you see these sailors like with their ships burning. And then, uh, one of the CMCs locally, uh, when that happened, posted a picture of this, it was this DC man that was like fighting to go back on the ship because he wanted to like continue the, the damage control effort. Um, and they, it was like, he hadn't he had to like take time to rest and stuff and get it and then get new gear and then go back on. And he was like, he had to be like held back from going onto the ship. There's a bunch of other stories like that. Um, where it was kind of like, like we say all those things, but then when you see these small examples here and there, or like the ship collisions, um, you hear stories of people doing like the type of heroic things that you would like, expect optimally in those types of, of, of unfortunate and unforeseen circumstances for like, that's what I want them to do. That's what I'm, I'm hoping when we're doing all this training, like that's what I'm, I'm is the ideal outcome is that type of a response. Well, yeah. And I, I think the big thing is that uh, I remember having this discussion with a friend recently is, you know, you have these stories, you have the bottom shards, you have the Miami, you have these stories of, you know, the coal where people do extraordinary things, but I don't want to have to rely on some sailors doing extraordinary things. Right. I would, those are going to happen and they're going to amaze me, but we need to train so that hopefully that extraordinary thing does that extra special that gets us to a new place. And it's not like we're not, I don't want to, I don't want us to be in a place as a Navy where, the break the alarm, you know, the breaking glass in case of emergency is all right, y'all better do some special shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's not a good place to be. We've, we've, we've got to, we've got to train ourselves to a place where we know at a minimum that we can handle yeah. it. And then because, you know, you look at the coal bombing, like who thought that that right. was a thing? Um, look at nine 11, who thought that that was a thing? If we, when we get into a to a war again, there is going to be something that we have not thought right. about. That's where the special stuff needs to come into play. Yeah. I, I, we can't be in a place where we rely on, Hey, if it's something that I could predict right now, mm-hmm. the answer better not be special to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, the next question so talking about um, it's it's basically a general question and it gives some examples about why do you think COs allow cobs to do things that are widely unpopular? And he just gives examples of like clean cleaning for time instead of cleanliness and then how most tech rate cobs. And, you know, I don't know where that analysis comes from, but like 
don't even walk into the engine room during field day. And it says two out of four that I've had. So I guess that's the anecdotal evidence. But um, <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, I know like when I was a duty chief, I used to get like shocked looks on faces when I would go back and tour the engine room and review logs. Um, everybody maneuvering would like, Oh my God, what are you doing back here? Are you lost? So, um, but the, the, the question itself is why do you think COs allow cops to do things that are widely unpopular? I think it's, um, it's a balance, yeah. right? You are, you're trying, when you're the CO, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to empower your cop and. You know, I was blessed. All, all my cops were amazing people and I agreed with everything that they were doing. So I didn't have to deal with kind of that. Hey, I don't like what you're yeah. doing. Um, you know, so you're, you're trying to empower him, right? He, he's got he's a he's a force, um, you know, for good or for bad, um, depending on how he, he applies what, you know, his position. Um, I don't think it's that they the CEOs allow the cop to do things that are widely unpopular. I think the CEO may not know that it's how widely unpopular it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it gets to a, a larger question of is the CEO, you know, kind of keeping his finger on the pulse himself, you know, not relying on the cob and the XO to tell him what's going on. Um, right. Because, you know, I, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, we'll sit there, you know, in my stateroom and the cob and it's like, hey, here's the plan. And I'll be like, yeah, okay, that sounds good. Um, but then, you know, one of us has to be the person that's kind of the contrarian just for contrarian sake yeah. and go, well, how is the crew going to see that? Right. Um, or does that make sense? And sometimes you, you sometimes you don't have teams that are that comfortable with each other. At the end of the day, it's three dudes um, or ladies that are they're just trying to do the best they can. Yeah. And you're, you're dealing with personalities and you're trying to, as the commanding commanding officer, empower your cmc slash cob and xo you know hey it's probably not how i would do it but let's give it a shot and see if it works Mm -hmm. and see if you can manage it because i you know i've i've been on boats where we clean until the clock is done and i've been on boats where we clean until the you know the cleanliness level is achieved and both of them have worked the difference is how does the cob communicate what the expectation is You know, and so I'm going to let I'm going to let the cop do what he wants to do. It's his program. And as long as, you know, we're getting the cleanliness we need. okay. now if, you know, some some of the crew pulls me aside or in all hands calls or whatever, however, I find out that, hey, we really don't dig this. We want to try something else. Well, then I'll go to the cop and say, hey, you know, I dig what you're doing. But is there maybe a different way? Have you thought about, you know, how does the crew handle in this? What do you think? Yeah. And sometimes, you know, if you've got a good relationship, you can have that with your with your cob and go, hey, let's try something different. Um, Sometimes cobs, you know, we all fall back on what we were raised in. Right. Right. It's kind of like when you get that new that new XO that was an eng and he's beating up the eng, but he's leaving the webs alone. Yeah. (laughs) You know? It's it's the same thing to the to, to to the original question. Hey, I don't see I don't see forward tech rates ever in the engine room. Yeah, it's because they're not comfortable back right. there. Um, but you have to go do the things that you're not comfortable with. Um, you know, I I was a navigator, so I was very conscious. You know, as a captain of hey, I got to make sure I'm not going to say I'm not going to get in the navs junk, 
but I'm going to get into everybody's junk equally. Yeah. Um, even if I'm not comfortable, I'm just going to ask a bunch of questions because I can't beat up on the people where I'm comfortable. I need to have awareness of everything. Right. Um, and so if you, and if you see Cobb, you know, and that's, that's kind of on the captain, you know, Hey, if you see your Cobb and he's not doing things that he's not comfortable doing, he's doing a disservice to the crew because he's supposed to be the voice for everybody to the captain. Yeah. And if you only hang out in the places you're comfortable hanging out, then there's a whole section of the crew that their voices are not getting heard in the captain's statement. Right. I was going to ask too, like how, it, how much bandwidth does a CO even have to like effectively supervise the cob? Like I know it's more of a relationship and, and that cob is, is advising and, um, and should be funneling it like information and, and stuff to the CO, but like, with all the responsibilities that a CO has, plus the detachment from the level that things are happening, like on the deck plate, how, like how much, how much time do you really have to devote to that? And like, do you feel like it's enough time for it to be as effective as it needs to be? Um, no, that's a good question. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to formulate the answer in a coherent way in my head right now. Because uh, at the end of the day, is there anything more important than taking care of your crew? I would say no. <laughs> and if you're right, yeah. and and if the if your cob is your biggest link to taking care of your crew, mm -hmm. then there's no amount of time that is too much, right, to work with the cob to make sure that the sailors that you have been given, I don't want to say given, uh. I've been entrusted with these sailors, you know, mom and dad gave me their kids mm -hmm. with the expectation that I give them back to them at least as good as they left, if not better. Yeah. And so there's nothing more important than working with my, with my chief of the boat hand in hand daily, hourly, you know, everything we do, the Cobb and I need to understand why we're doing what we're doing and how that's going to affect the crew because everything we do matters and everything is about making sure that the crew is getting what they deserve, what they need and growing the way they need to grow. Right. Um, I'm going to, there's cause so if you're not, if you, if you're thinking that that that's too much time, then, then you're not doing yeah, it. I was, well, I was going to say, it, is there the, the, you know how enlisted uh, there's often like a, a version of a complaint where it's like they want us to do all these things to um, pursue professional development, personal development, like qualify the things to get collateral duties, do all these things. And then, Oh, by the way, you're supposed to spend all this time developing your people and, and investing in, in their, their professional development and their qualifications and everything else. And then I have to stand watch and then I have to do all these other things. Like, is there, is there a point at which even though that th that thing like the the paying attention to what the cobs doing because the people are are the most important thing it's like do you have the same kind of demands like on your time in your role that in, in a very similar way as like enlisted people are, or even JOs like they got a, a division and then they've got like 27 million others they're trying to do calls they're trying to do this they're trying to do that maybe they have like collaterals like as far as um, you know, I don't know, like safety officer or whatever, like some other role. 
and they and the, like they all, every jo i've ever met on every submarine i've ever been on looks like their head's about to explode and looks like they haven't slept in a year so like do you have the same kind of demands that pull you away from priorities like that or is it really just however the co decides to prioritize their time is how they prioritize their time i mean the second part is the answer. Okay. Know, however, the CEO decides to prioritize their time is how they prioritize their time. Um, I, I would tell you that it's a constantly shifting spectrum, right? You know, you're, I, I was having this, this discussion recently where on deployment, you know, on a submarine, the captain is going to wear a path between his stateroom control and the wardroom and just rinse and repeat, mm -hmm. right? That's what he's doing especially when you're out there on mission because yeah. that's the, that's the biggest focus and that's where he needs to be paying attention. And so that's where you've got to have the chief of the boat and the goat locker really taking care of all that other stuff in the background that the captain is normally involved in. He yeah. can't, he, his, his brain is focused on, you know, this extraordinarily important mission right now. I need you to handle this yeah. until I can think about it again. Right. But the only way they can do that is because you've been working with them and training with them and giving them insight into how you think and what you expect all the time leading up to right. that. So that when you can't be there, they go, Hey, I know what the captain would want and let's make this yeah. happen. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's a, yeah, when, when you're not, you know, doing, yeah, the captain has so many things going on. Uh, I, I remember a discussion with my cop where he was talking with the goat locker and he was like, look, I know the captain probably better than anybody else on board the ship. And even I have no idea the pressure that that dude's yeah. under, uh, which is true. And, and, and for, you know, you know, my personal opinion is you y'all don't need to know the pressure I'm under. My job is to manage that pressure. That's why I'm the captain. Mm -hmm. What you need to know is what you need to do to keep the ship successful. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the captain has to kind of, that's, that's the hard part about being captain. You have to train people on what your expectations and what you want and how you expect it. And then you have to trust them to, to do their best with that. Yeah. So that you can focus on what you think is the most important thing today. You know, I, I kind of always woke up every day going, what's the most important thing that the ship is going to do today? Where if it goes, it goes south, it's going to be really bad. That's where I need to be. Right. You know, yep. that's and So there's the number one focus of the day. And then we fill in from there. Yeah. You know, gotcha. Um, the next question is kind of weird because it's like the answer is pretty obvious and and i maybe they i should have asked for some clarification on what they meant exactly but it basically says why not allow sailors to continue their deployment beards during port calls as long as they're not topside watchstanders talking about it's great motivation for uh for guests qualified blow decks and then yeah it would be unfair to them since all the nukes are in the engine room but if we're talking about fairness nukes get the short end normally anyway i, I mean I, I don't know if they mean like pulling into somewhere where you can't leave the pier or something, but like, cause uniform regs is the answer. Like, and then like people are going to come down on the ship probably. Uh, I don't know. I, you can take a, <laughs> take a moment with it, but it seems kind of obvious to me. 
the answer is obvious. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I appreciate it. Um, for sure. I, I know, I know what you're, it's, it's the classic, Hey man, I know what you're going for and I dig it. Um, but yeah, we, in all honesty, the whole idea of deployment beards is very much submarine uh, specific, I think. And in all, in all honesty, at the higher levels, probably not, probably not authorized. Right. No, it's, there's no probably Um, like we're definitely not supposed to be doing it, but it's like, so we're already pushing our luck as far as we reasonably, I mean, air quotes should or can or whatever, but like, yeah, we're, we're definitely not supposed to be doing that. Right. Exactly. It's, it's exactly. I mean, I, I, I remember, you know, I remember pulling into Curacao as a J.O. and mm. going to a Dutch submarine and the topside watch had a goatee and an earring. Oh, my goodness. And I was like, I dig what you're about, brother. <laughs> I like um, your energy. Hey, you know, it's, it, you know, it's other other countries. Mm-hmm. I, I, exactly. It's like, I, I dig what yeah. you're doing, brother. It's good yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, that's just that's just not who we are. Um, you know, the submarine force, you know, let's fly our pirate flags and uh, and have a good time. Uh, when we're out at sea, but when, when you come back in port there, there's an image, yeah. um, of being a United States sailor. And cause, cause even if you're not standing watch, trust me, man, you're out in town. Everybody knows you're an American and they right. know yeah. whether you say it or not, they're going to guess, are you an, are you an, an American sailor? You know, like yeah. they're going to figure out why you're there. Right. And so it's about maintaining that kind of image that we have. Yeah. And you know, it's just, <laughs> the the question I was like I could understand like there's a, a a listener that I've interacted with a bunch about he's trying to he's basically trying to submit like a some type of uh document that's an argument for beards for sailors on shore duty only because for the face seal argument goes away like that question makes a lot of like that argument makes a lot of sense it's like why can't I I grow a a nicely cropped beard so long as I'm not at sea um. But yeah, I, this one, I was just like, I mean, this felt so obvious that I was just like, I, I almost, I almost didn't ask it, but he took the time, he or she took the time to ask the question. I'm assuming it's a, a dude because they're talking about beards, but no, no, yeah, exactly. And I, and I appreciate it. I mean, you know, my, me personally, I can't grow a beard. It looks ah, you really got a homeless thin, beard. So uh, it doesn't matter yeah. to me either way. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude, it's, it's a. Uh, you know, it, it starts off strong and then you realize that's like, oh, yeah. are you still 15? <laughs> like it just doesn't grow in. Uh, you know, it doesn't. Yeah, it is. It happens. So. Um, next one. So this is, a, a, I mean, one of the classic parts of our culture on submarines. So it's just asking, like, if you notice that there's a disconnect between forward and aft, uh, how how would you try to unify the crew? You know, that, that, that it's a perennial yeah. problem, right? Uh, kind of going back to the previous thing of you never see the forward duty yeah. chiefs coming aft and stuff like that. Um, a lot of that is communication. It's a, uh, cause you get, you get the guys in the engine room, guys and gals in the engine room and they're just back there and every day is yeah. the same. And, you know, you, you, you try to keep everybody informed on what's going on. However you can. I, I always used to talk to my JOs and be like, look, you're the link you know, to the engine room to let them know what's yeah. going on up here. Um, so talk about what we're doing. Talk about why this matters. I, I often talk to crews and I kind of say, hey, look, 
no one ever won a war with a really good scram drill. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like the uh, the enemy is not going to be intimidated at my ability to handle chlorides. Yeah. But if you can't do that, then I can't get the torpedoes and the tomahawks where they need right. to be. So everybody's important because it doesn't matter how good I can shoot if I can't get the boat in the position to do it. Right. So really kind of communicating and, and, and it's a constant drumbeat yeah. of just how important the entire ship is and making sure that, you know, you don't see things where it's like, Hey, we're doing aft drills and up for, you know, and you see things like, well, okay. So, you know, okay. The, uh, the FTs and the Sonarmen get to be in the rack cause you know, they're kind of, they're worn out. Hey, no man, everything is all hands. Yeah. Because everything matters. Right. And so, and, but that's also where you do stuff like, Hey, we're, we're doing, we're doing a strike exercise. Let's run a drill aft at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Because that's where you'll find out that, Hey, Hey, when this goes, when this goes sideways back aft, I can't do my job up here. Right. And it drives home that everything matters because the, the warship is the entire submarine. It's not, you know, it's not the cone and it's not the engine room. It's the whole thing. Yeah. But that's it's a constant thing of just driving home how much it's important. And as the captain, it's walking around in both mm-hmm. and, and and letting everybody know how important they are and how much you appreciate what they're doing. Because a lot of times you see the these these divides and the these perceptions that nobody cares. Right. Most people just want to know that what they do matters. And that somebody sees that they're working hard and they care. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's the captain, the XO and the Cobb walking the entire ship yep. and going, hey, I see you. Yep. I see you in the bilge. <laughs> I know it sucks and I appreciate it. Yeah. That's exactly why I went back to the engine room all the time. It was like special. I did it as a duty chief, but I mean, I would do it other times too and just go back there and walk around because it's like the, I mean, I, I feel like everybody's got a time where their job is really difficult. Um, I don't think anybody ever gets away with not, but it's like I, I would make an argument that nukes, I mean, their job sucks 99% of the time. Like it's very difficult or stressful or at least painful, even if they're just sitting on the mess decks, like going through the same PowerPoint training that they went through last quarter or whatever. Um, so it's like they're... <laughs> I think a lot of times they like you were just saying, they just don't feel they just they just don't feel recognized for because like everybody knows how hard a gang's job is. And I feel like a gang pretty much universally on every boat I've been on at least had a lot of prestige with like the junior guys. Everybody always kind of looks at a gang and they're like, oh, you know, like um, I don't think it's ever not recognized that a gang does a lot of work and we own all the systems on the boat and blah, blah, blah. But um, for nukes, I think sometimes it can get uh lost in the sauce a little bit or at least they feel that way and so yeah like the just recognizing it just like yeah no we know how hard your job is no exactly i mean the uh you know nukes it's 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 a demanding job it's a high it's one of those things where it's high consequence if if thing goes things go sideways so you've got to be constantly paying attention and constantly attention to detail um but that's 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 why they are who they are. I mean, they're extraordinarily smart people, yeah. 
Um, but it is tedious and it's tiring yeah. to be on that kind of mental edge all the time. Um, because as much as we're like, Hey, you know, it's five knots to nowhere. We're just kind of pushing back here. There's always that little bit in the back of your head going, but what if it goes sideways yeah. today? You know? And so that, that's, that, that's a kind of level of mental stress that we don't appreciate yeah. enough for people. Hey, yeah, you start up the reactor and you make steam, yeah. whatever. Okay, man, if this thing goes yep. sideways, <laughs> you know, you're going to be counting on me to make sure I can handle this at the drop that's of a hat. all I would know? think so, about yeah, we, in you, the dive chair. It's important to yeah. appreciate everybody. Like in the dive chair, that's all I thought about was like, what, would, what happens if there's a hydraulic rupture? Like what happens if somebody calls away a fire? Like, well, I would, I would just consistently it was like what happens when everything horribly goes horribly wrong you know like no exactly you know it's it's like getting the throttleman to understand or the propulsion plane operator like hey when i ring up like turns for four knots while this thing's happening you need to understand right. why i'm asking for that you know it's like well, i don't know why yeah. you're asking for, the, yeah. for it this way and you're like these guys yeah. are being dicks and you're like no man like there's a very right. specific reason on why we're being very very there's appendages right that will literally rip off the ship if you don't get this right or there's like equipment that's going to be damaged somehow or whatever yeah Exactly. But it, it goes back to that, getting everybody to understand how your job affects right. the other half of the boat's job. And, it, and it's just yeah. a constant yeah. discussion. You know. Um, so the next one is, um, I understand that the XO is supposed to have the responsibility of crew management through the COB. I don't know if I agree with that, but we'll keep going. But do you think that should absolve COs from legitimately understanding the opinions of the crew? And I'm pretty confident I know that answer, but go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. I, I found that interesting. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what they meant by, you know, crew yeah, management through the either. COB. Because, yeah, the XO and the COB are kind of – I'm not sure if they meant crew management as far as, hey, we're talking about PRDs and rotations yeah, yeah. and looking at the uh, that type stuff. Or are they looking at watch bills and leave plans or right. what have you. But, but – um, so I'm going to assume that it's it's not that stuff. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and it's more of the. So yeah, you and I, you and I both know my answer, which is, uh, I've already said it. There's nothing more important as the commanding officer than what his crew is going yeah. through. Do you? How do you? How do you so, keep your um, your finger on the pulse of that? As far as like like I, I mean, ideally, in a perfect world, you have a cob that is you and him are in per, or her are in perfect sync, and they're feeding you all these things, and then you're walking around the submarine like talking and getting like reinforcement of those communications. But like, what do you do just on like besides? Hopefully, you have a good cob. Like, what do you do to to keep your keep keep yourself in touch with those opinions that he's talking about? Um, part of it is all the stuff you talked about. Hey, you're talking to the cob, mm -hmm. you're talking to the XO, you're walking around. Um, you, you, I, I often, uh, sometimes you have to find the disgruntled sailors, um, cause they're the ones that will tell you the truth. Yeah. Yep. Right. Uh, you know that, yeah, the, those, the, I, I loved, I loved all my sailors, but there, there are definitely, you can identify people quickly that really just don't care that you're the captain yeah. and they will tell you exactly <laughs> what they think. And I love those guys. Yep. Because those are the guys that the captain needs to hear from. Exactly. You know, if you find yourself in your space and the captain randomly walks in, 
man, that is your opportunity yep. <laughs> to be heard and take it. 100%. Because, because that's why the captain is there. Yeah. Right? The captain is not walking around with a flashlight simply for his own inspection. If if the captain says, hey, how are things going? Yeah. He legitimately, that's your opportunity to yep. say, to kind of jump the chain. Because most captains will not go, hey, I heard Petty Officer Smith said this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I would hear stuff and I would just go... I would go to my Cobb and go, hey, Cobb, what do you think about the leave plan right now for Christmas? You know, yeah. this, and it's because somebody told me in the engine room or whatever, hey, our leave plan's BS. Yeah. And so I'll just turn that around into very, hey, Cobb, yeah. I was interested in our leave plan. What do you think is yeah. going on? Yeah. You know, like you, sailors need to take those opportunities when the senior leadership's walking around. Make your voice heard, man, because that's what we're looking yeah. for. Um I would also just ask for very specific. I uh, I I don't want to say I was demanding. I probably was demanding, but I would just ask a lot of questions. I'm like, hey, what's the plan? What are right. we doing? Why is it that? Show it to me. Um, and not because I didn't trust my Cobbinexer to do it. I just wanted to know what was going on and that it had been thought right. about. And you know, you do that a couple times, and now your expectations out there, you can back off yeah. of that. But the first couple, you know, months that I was in command, and we would have those things. Just asking very direct questions on what are we doing? How are we doing it? Why are we doing it? To make sure that your kind of expectation is out there. And once you get that out there and you have the kind of feeling that people are doing what you intend, then you start going to the walking through the spaces and making sure that people are, you know, getting the opportunity um, to tell you that what you think is happening is what's actually happening. When when you would solicit the feedback, um, one of the things that pops into my mind as a point of reference would be like, I had a CEO that did a lot of like all hands calls on the mess decks when we were on deployment and he would ask questions. And it's kind of this environment where like no one's comfortable asking the question in front of the group. So like what, how often when you would solicit feedback, do you feel like you got honesty and then like if you were getting stuff that you felt like was packaged for CO consumption, you know, like where they're sanitizing it of all opinion that might offend or get them in trouble or whatever. Um, what did you have to do to overcome that if it did happen? So a couple things, one, you have to set up the groups appropriately, right? If you, if you do an all hands call, mm -hmm. The E4 is not going to say something derogatory in front of his chief. Exactly. Yeah. So whenever I did my all hands, because I did this, part of it was because of my my expectations were different. But like when I took command, I had all hands calls with the chiefs and then the E6s and then the E5 and below. Yeah. And part of that was because, you know, I had questions for them on what do they see and you want them to be to feel free to talk where you know they're not going to they don't feel like there's going to be a chance of retribution from their LPO right. or their chief or whatever right. but also just because my expectations are different like hey E5 and below here's what I expect of you E6 is what I expect right. of you um all your all hands calls need to be orchestrated that way because if you set up an environment where somebody doesn't feel safe mm -hmm. to talk they're not exactly. going to talk yeah. and you're not going to get what you yeah. want um, the other part of it is that if the first time you try to invite uh, honest feedback is in a large group forum and the crew doesn't know who you are as a person and what you're, how you deal with information coming to you, 
you know, it's that walking the domestics, it's that walking the spaces, it's interacting with the crew where you ask questions, you just do silly yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, and people go, oh, the captain's a good person, right. you know, because if they don't know who you are and now you're soliciting feedback in a forum, you're not going to get that either because they don't know how you're going to respond to it. Right. So they're just going to clam up. Yeah. So you have to set the stage continually that the crew knows who you are as a person so that they feel comfortable telling you in the first right. place, much less in a large group forum. Yeah. No, I agree. Awesome. Um, the uh, So this one's a fun one. Uh, it says it's relatively common to hear enlisted people get masted and kicked out of the Navy for like negligence or just misconduct. Uh, and this says, what would it take for a first tour J.O. to be removed from the Navy? I've seen some pretty incompetent J.O.s removed from watch standing tags disqualified multiple times. The failed PNEO twice one I thought was an an automatic kicked out of the community, but I'll let you speak on that as well. And then, uh, and he said, based on all of those misconduct things, they seem not to be kicked out. So it's, you know, I thought, I thought a lot about this one today. Um, part of it is an understanding of what a commission Mm -hmm. is versus a contract. Right. Um, Officers are commissioned by Congress. Like my my little letter commissioning is signed by the president. And when you see the results come out mm-hmm. every year, you know, the results come out and it always says, hey, the following has been approved by Congress. Right. So for you to for you to kick me out early, that means Congress has to re- has to revoke my commission. Mm-hmm. How does that so that's different. How, does, how would that even happen? Um, Is it possible? Like, like I know at court martial, if it's like you robbed a bank, exactly, it's possible. Right? But exactly, and so, and I think that's the difference. Is um, for 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 the enlisted, you know, an enlisted person can go to mast and lose a rank, and they'll get that rank back and keep going. You know, one of my favorite CMCs. You know, he was a chief twice, <laughs> right? Uh, exactly, right? Those things yeah. can happen. Um, there's a higher expectation for officers on, um, you know, on behavior and performance. But that, that, so that also means there's a higher bar for punishment as well. And sometimes, you know, yeah, you know, hey, they've been re- removed from watch standing. Hey man, I've been removed from watch standing more times yeah. than I can count. Um, sometimes it's just because I was going too right. fast. I thought I was better than I was and I was going too fast and you miss a step. We're in the critique. Here we right. go. Um, what would it take uh, for an officer? And that's why I think you see a lot of times, you know, for somebody who's under a contract, well, you violated the terms of the contract, you know, you pop mm-hmm. positive uh, or whatever, you go away pretty quickly. Um, for officers, it takes things like that, like popping positive. You're right. going to be out of here pretty quick. Um, I had a, I had a friend when I was a JO, Hey, two DUIs, you're out of here, buddy. Got pulled off the boat, sent mm-hmm. to shore tour. But again, we're under a commission and we're also paying back our yeah. time, especially for that JO. Most of us are ROTC or Academy or whatever. So we're actually paying back our time for the education okay, that we that's received. That's a great point. 
And so that's why a lot of times what you see is, so a lot of times what you're seeing is that, hey man, you I just need somebody to make a PowerPoint. You yeah, can do that. Yeah. And I'm gonna get my money back from you. And so they get pulled off the boat, but they don't get kicked out of the Navy, but they're not gonna advance. Right. Um, the two-time PO failure, yeah, he's he's gonna finish up, they're gonna finish up their contract, and then they're they're not gonna go to department head because you have to be PO qualified for right. for that. And so you can you'll kind of look at it and go, yeah, they're not gonna screen for department head. And so at some point you get to that point where you can only be a lieutenant so long and you're not going to make 04 because you were in a department head and then your career will die away. And so it's just a different uh, understanding of what it means for our careers to be turned off as opposed to being kicked out of the Navy. You know, you see that a lot. Hey, no, this CEO or whatever got a letter of reprimand and uh, and then, you know, stashed at some Mm -hmm. job. Well, yeah, but his career's over. And so he has to finish up the contract that he has been paid for, and then he's not going to be allowed to continue right. on. Whereas for you know our junior personnel, it's it's a much more immediate kind of feedback thing. Yeah, and the part about the I, – I didn't think about the repaying the college debt thing where they the Navy paid to educate them so that they could be commissioned – and so it's like, yeah, they might not be able to do submarine things anymore, but we're going to make, we're going to get that time back out of them. Like we're going to get the repayment on our investment. That's something I didn't even, I like, I knew it, but I didn't, yeah, it didn't strike me as a reason. So that, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a perennial problem, you know, people, well, why, you know, we both did the same thing and I got this and he didn't. Well, okay, but let's talk about where you are, what the expectations are, and and the ability to rebound from what has happened versus the message that has to be sent, things like yeah. that. It's a it's a man, it's a it's a delicate balance. I always I always hated Captain's yeah. Mast. Um but I because I I always told my guys like, hey, you know, hey chiefs, if it gets to Captain's Mast, you're telling me that you can't handle it. Yeah. Um but I also always saw captain's mast as a tool, right? It's a shaping tool. I'm trying to affect behavioral change, not just from the person involved, but from everybody else who's watching. Yeah. And so that's where you kind of have to realize that, yes, you screwed up, but this isn't about you. This is about the ship. Right. Right. And what you doing that means for the ship. So, yeah. Um, so the, the next one, this is kind of, this is the same person asking these questions. One of them's the one we'll end with is just a fun one. And then, (laughs) but the, the last, uh, kind of legitimate question is, uh, what was the hardest thing, uh, that you faced as a CEO and what was the kind of the easiest thing, which I mean, I guess you could take as like, what was your favorite thing too, but. You know, it's a. I was thinking about this one uh, a lot today too, because you know the uh, the trite answer is to say the easiest thing was be- about being captain was being captain, and the hardest thing about being captain was being captain. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, because 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 that's what it is, right? Right. Um, the uh, the 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 easiest thing about being captain was saying I relieve you, because. <laughs> um, because it was because it was all hard after yeah. that. Um, but, you know, but that said, you know, as I, I was I was talking with my wife, you know, you, you see when you have your change of command, 
you know, you, you get people that come up to you and they're like, Oh, do you, do you feel lighter? Do you feel yeah. like a weight came off your shoulders? And, uh, and, and my answer was no. Cause I never felt that being in command was a burden. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Like, like I was, I was extraordinarily, um, cognizant of how special it was that I had even made it that yeah. far, how, um, how much of an honor it is to not just be given this boat, but to be entrusted to take care of all these sailors. Yeah. Like I said, you know, mom and dad gave me their kid and said, I'm trusting you to take care of my kid and make them a better person. Yeah. Holy shit, man. That that's an, an immense um responsibility and a privilege yeah. to be given that by somebody's parents. And uh and so that's the hard the hard part about command was you know kind of managing the fact that I'm not as powerful as everybody thinks I am. Yeah. Right? It's a uh, because you know all the stuff that we've been talking about for the last hour, where it's oh you're the captain you can do anything you want you're absolutely right I can and I'll be successful for about five minutes yeah <laughs> there's consequences because if I do what if I right if exactly well there's consequences in both directions right I've got to manage the expectations of my boss. I've got to meet the demands that are being placed upon me and I've got to meet the expectations of my crew and take care of my crew and develop my crew. So yeah, if I just do what I want to do, it'll be awesome for like one underway. Yeah. And then people will start to, you know, people will start to look at me from up high going, what are you doing? And my crew's right. going to be like, you kind of suck, right? <laughs> because the the number one thing about being in command is that it's not about you. Right. It's just not. Yeah. It's about taking care of your crew, taking care of your ship, meeting the mission, being able to deliver, making it so that your command is the one that gets called upon because you're so awesome, but also trying to balance, you know, the welfare of your crew. And, you know, you get everybody, it's like, well, you're the captain. You can do anything. Like, I really can't. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm trying to meet all of these other demand signals while doing it in a manner that I feel is the best way to do it. And so I've got the power to do things the way I think is the right way to do it. But I'm really, I'm really, you know, in Jason's opinion, if you're doing it right, you're trying to take care of everybody above and below you because it's just not about you. Right. I dig it. What So what so was, that's what was always I hard was – Go ahead. I was just going to ask you what the coolest thing was then, because <laughs> I think that might be what they were trying to get at with the easiest. I'm not sure, but like, what was like the coolest perk of the job? Um, I mean, the perks are so small. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny because I, I, I love to read like every change of command program or whatever, mm -hmm. um, or, you know, submarine birthday ball program or whatever. Um, cause I don't know who did it decades ago, but you, you see that little, like the poem of the submariner Yeah, and you know, Hey, you know, his, his benefits are, you know, that whole thing is stolen from an actual poem about the captain. Yeah. And, and it's funny cause if you go to a change of command program, they're usually both in there 
And then when you read it, you realize it's the exact same thing, but they changed the captain with the submariner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, and it's, you know, and the whole thing is just, you know, there, the, the, the benefits in light of his responsibilities are immensely small. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the, the coolest thing about being the captain was watching my team grow and succeed and do stuff that they didn't think that they would ever be doing and just crush it. Yeah. Um, And you're like, and just being proud of them, you know, Hey, we got, we got put in situations where, you know, I was like, Hey, this isn't fair. Um, I'm asking you guys to do some stuff that we just have no choice and watching them step up and crush it. Like it, it's it's like being the proud father of 150 people right like just yeah. watching them believe in themselves and succeed and then go on to succeed afterwards you know my my change of command speech was very much focused on i'm not a believer in the idea of well you know the true test of your command is how the boat does after you leave yeah and i'm like well, that's BS yeah. because we talk about how much effect the captain has on the crew. Right. So you're saying that the guy that relieved me has no effect because any success he has is because of me. Right. Right. So that doesn't even make sense. Right. Um, so what I, what I said in my, my change of command was about it's not about what the ship does after I leave. It's about what the people who were here with me do after they yes. leave. 100%. You know, and – all three of my all three of my XOs have been in command of submarines. One of them won a Stockdale. Nice. Um, you know, all of my COBs are CMCs. One is you know a, a squadron CMC now. All of my department heads screened you know XO or SS um, have done XO tours. They're all O fives. You yeah. know, so it's it's all that stuff. My my YN one who's now an LDO. You know, all these people who have gone on to achieve great things, I like to think that I had something to do with that. That's what is the the coolest part about being in command is feeling like you had an impact on people's lives and the trajectory of their lives. That's for me. (laughs) Other people may think other things, but that's the thing that I... That's the thing that I got. That was the a best great answer. Of. I thought you were going to say like smoking cigars in the bridge or something, but that was that was way better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, smoking cigars in the bridge is pretty yeah. cool, but I mean, anybody can anybody Fair can do point. that. Fair anybody point. Can do that. Uh, so the last question is kind of a loaded question. It's who was your favorite division and why was it a gang? Which you know, of course, it was the cooks. So the whole question's premise is complete bullshit, but. Uh, but like, but that he was asking, like, I obviously, I know you're not, I, well, I, I guess I don't know. You're not going to pick a favorite division, but in your heart, I know it's the cooks, but yeah, that was the, that was the last one was who is your favorite division and why was it a gang? Dude, I'll, I'll tell you, I do love my cooks. Uh, and it's fun. Cause now I ride other boats where the guy that it's fun to ride boats now where people were on my ship when I was in command and I, I get on board like, Hey, yeah, what's yeah, up, yeah. sir? You know? <laughs> and, uh, and it is a lot of them are the cooks and, uh, and they're just doing great stuff. And yeah, cooks, man, cooks, uh, they control the morale of the ship for sure. But, but you, you gotta love a gang because <laughs> there, there's no point that a gang is not working their ass off. For and, sure. Uh, yeah. They really are. Um, you get, Cause, cause you, you gotta have, man, 
you got a couple egg gangers that are like MacGyver yep. down there. They're yep. like, hey man, you give me a band-aid and a contact lens, I'll fix it. <laughs> you know, those are the people that yeah. they, they can keep the ship running when it has yep. no business running. And, yep. and you and you gotta love it and you yeah. gotta appreciate what they do for yeah, sure. I, yeah. I love egg gangers. Like I have this thing, I call it Frankenhook because when I was on my first Chiefs tour, so I'm like a perpetual over preparer. I overpack, I over and it it's all from this boat, but like I always wanted to have backups for backups and extra stuff and extra parts for stupid machines and like whatever. So I had a bunch of extra mixer attachments cuz you know, can't go to the restaurant supply store when you're underway. My cooks found a way. Like I hadn't seen a dough hook on a on a stand mixer break in like 20 years of cooking professionally. On this boat, within 24 hours, they snapped two of these damn things. So I and I had two. Like I had a backup. So <laughs> when they snapped it, I'm like, ah, don't worry, don't worry. Luckily, I planned for those things like this, and I went and got the other one. And I swear to God, an hour later, they came to me with the second one broken. So I went down and found the A Gang LPL. I'm like, hey man, <laughs> I got this problem. And I handed him these two pieces of broken hook. He goes, You don't have another one? I'm like, This is this is the other one. <laughs> so he fabricated like little brackets, put bolts through them, fitted the like seam where it cracked together perfectly, bolted it together. And then that thing held up for the rest of the deployment. And it it's still together. And I, when I left that submarine, I took it with me because I was like, this is my trophy. I was like, it was, it was, that's I'll forever be indebted to a gang for stuff like that. It's just, they're absolutely uh, insane. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Absolutely love those. I mean, a gang tends to have those guys that can do that, but I mean, yep. I had, I had guys in multiple divisions. I remember going back aft one time and like one of my uh, first class nuke mechanics is back there. Like no one is ever on the lathe or on, nah. no, no one, no one is ever back there in that corner of the engine room actually doing stuff. Yeah. And I go back there and he's like bending pipe into a coil and i'm like what are you doing he's like i'm making a new coil for the refrigerant plant i'm like shut up what <laughs> you know like just having like having the guys on yeah. board you know that the the people that just love to work with their yep. hands they they tend to end up in a gang yeah. a lot but they're they're throughout yep. the ship these people that are just masters of their craft of just like hey i can find a way to make this work and i'm like you go for it and they will pull off I had a I had a land tech where uh, a router like in radio completely crapped yeah. the bed, and you know, and it's like in radio, and I'm just like, hey, bro, can you do something? And they're like, yeah. Somehow, ITS three found a file, and he's back there recoding it, and like, and this is like for like a major strike yeah. exercise, and like that dude like. Out on his own was a complete like closet hacker type of thing. <laughs> Completely rebuilt the OS for a router and got it to work. And I'm just like, you're amazing. Yeah, that's like there's people throughout the ship yep. that do that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, so I, that yeah, you're right. I don't have a favorite yeah. division because I love everybody. <laughs> I love Absolutely. everyone equally. Yeah, <laughs> I I had a a lieutenant of all people that uh he was one of those jos that was kind of the knucklehead that was always getting like removed from watch standing or having a hard time getting qualified stuff but we had some dryers break like both of them on a bn uh broke and we didn't have you know you couldn't do laundry or like air drying or stuff and they needed like i don't know it was like a flywheel of some kind or something some kind of like spinny thing for the drum 
And he got, he went back to the engine room and, and just made one because he had been a machinist before he was in the Navy. So he went back and it was like he fabricated the, an exact replica, like a human 3D printer of the thing and both dryers. He did it twice and both dryers were back up and like, I mean, it took him like six hours, eight hours, something like that. It was pretty impressive. Amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, there's, there's so many, there's so much hidden talent on board that if you just ask around, people can do some amazing stuff, yeah, man. It's, it's ridiculous. Definitely. Well, who, yeah, thanks, sir. That was, that was the last question. Um, I hope we get to do another one of these. These are fun. I like, I like answering people's questions cause you get a lot of interesting ones. Um, and then they respond in, in pretty cool ways. Cause especially with like a CEO being willing to answer questions like that, that I feel like a lot of junior enlisted don't feel like CEOs are going to be honest with them, or they just feel like they can't ask the questions for like what we talked about earlier, where like chief's going to smack me in the back of the head or like light me on fire when we get back in the shop. So I, I really appreciate you doing it. No, absolutely. I mean, I hope the answers came across. All right. I'm sure I'm sure they will. I think they were all pretty, pretty solid. And it's like it's one of those like you can't really it's one of those realms where you can't really um, know until we like I get to get somebody like you to come on and talk about the stuff, because like I get it from listeners all the time where they're asking questions of me just being a master chief. And they're like, it's like they have this like back door into a world that they felt like they couldn't pull the shroud back on and look behind the curtain. And I'm standing here willing to do it. And a lot of my answers blow them away. And it's just like, I don't, I don't understand why we don't do more of that. And I think that the sailors that get to ask these questions benefit quite a bit just from, just from getting the answer. Cause I don't like, I don't think there's necessarily a right one. They're just looking for like your perspective on it, having been in that role and, because they don't normally get it. So yeah, no, I think it'll be well received for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if nothing else, cause, uh, I do have a, uh, I got a couple different Instagrams, but, uh, I, I do kind of, uh, I have a, a public Instagram called silent deep that I kind of post like a lot of leadership stuff and kind of my command thoughts on there. Um, it's like S L N T deep. Um, so yeah. but, you know, if you want to put that out there where Definitely. guys can kind of hit me up there, if they want to ask me direct yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. or let me know, Hey, I, I appreciate what you were saying and, and follow up questions. I'm more than willing to like, you know, engage on that. Oh, for definitely. Sure. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll tag that in the post when the episode comes out and put it in the show notes. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go into that account and I'll send you something from there. Uh, so you have it on All right, Instagram. Cool. Well, thanks, sir. I appreciate it. No, absolutely, man. All right. I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, I had a lot of fun uh, talking to Jason as always. Is, is I learned something every time. Uh, his perspective is valuable for me. Um, I got to interact with a lot of COs, but I never got to do it in the Cobb role. Except, I mean, I filled in sometimes, but never like, you know, for real at sea in a true triad where you're like developing that trust and stuff. So there's perspectives that I don't have. Uh, so it's fun when I get to talk to somebody that can provide that for me. Uh, so I had a lot of fun with it. I, I really, th I'm really hopeful that this, that you all receive this as well as I think you will, um, because I just think it's a really cool concept. It's a lot of fun, and I I love answering direct questions from listeners, whether it's me during like a Discord Q and A or some other form of Q and A that we've done in the past, or via a Q and A like this where I bring someone on and ask that person your questions instead of my own. Um, so it's it's a good time, and and I love getting direct feedback for you. Uh, via the platform. So I, again, me like had a ton of fun. Um, this was a very, um, it was, it was very enjoyable for me. I, I liked it a lot. Um, so thanks, Jason. And uh, thank you all for so many questions. I really appreciate it. 
Um, with that, as always, if you need anything from us, hit us up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You could Facebook message us. Don't give up the ship podcast or you can DM us on Instagram, Reddit or Discord at DGUS podcast. Uh, if you want to support us, there's a donate button on the website. DGUSpodcast.com on the main page. There's a there's a donate button there where you can go to don't give up the ship apparel. The ad was at the front of the episode, obviously, but uh, you can go to DGUSapparel.com. Check out all the Naval Pride and Heritage gear that you'll actually want to wear in public. More to come. I'm about to start designing some new stuff. I had an aviation guy get a hold of me. He wants me to do something for uh, the aviation community. I, I've got a Corman one like halfway done. I've got some ideas for other ones like MAs. Uh, I know my CTs are all listening. So I'll, I'm going to work on a lot of that stuff. If you have ideas, please submit them. You can send them to don't give up ship podcast at gmail.com or dgutsapparel at gmail.com. Either one. Um, and I'd, I'd like if you got ideas or just want me to make you a shirt like I want to I want to eventually get to every community. Uh, so, yeah, go check it out. DGUSapparel.com. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening. And don't give up the ship. <laughs>